This video is brought to you by Holocasa. Our tool transforms independent local real estate agents to global real estate agents. Create your own profile for free and get contacted by international investors. Sign up with the link in the description. Hello and welcome everyone to our 100th session of Holocasa. My name is Michael and today I'm talking to Shen Cavallo from Santa Cruz in California. Shen has over 20 years of experience in real estate, is very experienced in flipping listings and has been a mortgage broker as well. Shen, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Thanks, Michael, and thanks for having me. And wow, 100. <laughs> I feel like that's a lucky number for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am actually uh, the son of two Portuguese immigrants, and it's interesting because you're in Lisbon, Portugal. But uh, yeah, I grew up here in Santa Cruz County. Uh, we're a small town here on the central, well, Northern California, but on the coast, uh, on the beautiful Monterey Bay. And uh, I know even in Portugal, you might be familiar with the Monterey Peninsula, Carmel, Pebble Beach. Of course, San Francisco is about an hour north. So just about 30 minutes south of the Silicon Valley. And so technically, people would consider us like the south, just South Bay, south of the Bay Area. Uh, but uh, I am fluent in Portuguese, Spanish, and English. And I grew up building. My dad was a general contractor. He's retired now. My brother took over. So, but I am still a licensed general contractor and I've been in the industry for about 23 years. Um, started off as a mortgage broker and now I've been in sales for the last 14 years. Um, do flip some properties. Uh, we're full service. We help our clients pretty much flip their listings to sell. Um, have my own stager. We stage our listings. She's been with me for about 14 years. And we also have uh, Airbnb business, have a few units. I do have a management company that manages those, but we, you know, we set those up and that's some additional passive income. Um, I'm with EXP, so I'm global. We're in many countries now. I do have a team. I have a production team as well as, uh, you know, a real estate organization that I've built, you know, around the country and around the world. And um, continuing, uh, my goal is to continue growing and, um, you know, continue to build my passive income and eventually start to step out of day-to-day -day production. Nice. Very good. Very interesting. Give us a quick overview of Santa Cruz uh, itself. You have like San Francisco on the top, then you have uh, San Jose, you have the Bay Area, uh, I guess it's on the other side, or I know it's basically on the other side, you have like Silicon Valley. Where do you, how do I categorize uh, Santa Cruz? Is it like the, where the rich, uh, get, uh, the rich people are even richer or, or is it uh, a very nice secluded let's say, um, area where a lot of people go, where it's like not, not that expensive yet. How can I imagine uh, Santa Cruz? Well, it's interesting because um, before the pandemic, uh, it's a community that it's the southern part of the county is big on agriculture. In fact, we export produce all over, you know, to different parts of the world, all over the country. Um, you know, we produce here locally, We, we export the most garlic, artichokes, strawberries, uh, tons of greens like lettuce, et cetera. Like we, we're a very big agricultural community in South County. A lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, we get a lot of tourism from the, the Silicon Valley. So we have a lot of second homes, beach homes, et cetera, where a lot of the barrier comes in vacations in the summer and the, during the warm season, they come down on the weekends to go to the beach. So uh, pre-pandemic, it was like that. And our median price back then was about 100 or about 830,000. And since the beginning of the pandemic, our median price now went up to 1.35 million. What happened was a lot of the Silicon Valley folks where their median price is 2.2 million, they see homes as a bargain. A lot of them wanted to get out of the city during COVID, wanted now that they could work remote, wanted to be somewhere that they could enjoy better. What better place than the beach? Not only do we have the beach here, but we have beautiful woods and trails and hiking and You know, we just we have everything down here. And so we've turned into not just like a second home market, but a primary market for a lot of people from the Bay Area. Um, there is some long term family wealth from families that have been in this area for many years. There's also some wealthy, successful you know, business owners that own large companies, whether it be in produce or we even have some tech down here. So, I mean, a little bit of everything. So it's a very diverse community. Uh, South County, uh, you'll have a lot of the agricultural labor force. And as you move mid-county, mid-county Aptos kind of the area I live would be the more affluent part of the county. And when you get up into Santa Cruz, then, you know, you have, you know, downtown Santa Cruz, which has a lot of shops and restaurants. And then of course, a lot of people know the Santa Cruz beach boardwalk, 
which is a very old historic amusement park that's on the beach there, as well as Santa Cruz Wharf. So you get a little bit of everything here. And, um, you know, when you're on the water, prices are much higher than as you come inland. Yeah. And uh, as you go south in the county, the prices go down as well. How much do you uh, commute around, like from Santa Cruz to San Jose, for example? Um, so I do business on both sides of the hill. They call it the hill because you climb over Highway 17 to get over the coastal mountains. And uh, it's about 30 minutes to Los Gatos. Um, I'm, it's probably two, three times a week. Yeah. Ever since the pandemic and more remote and being that my company's cloud-based, I mainly go check on properties, go check on projects. Um, you know, most of my day-to-day -day business is done online or on Zoom. So, um, but I do, I do go up and down quite a bit. I like to see things for myself in person. Being that I'm a general contractor, I'm very picky when I go check on my projects. I like to really look at the quality of the work and, you know, make sure things are well. And I do go a long way. I mean, I cover all the way up into the East Bay, uh, up into what they call Contra Costa County. Very affluent area up there, you know, Alamo, Blackhawk Country Club. You know, um, you got San Ramon up there. I mean, Pleasanton. Nice, like where the, basically where the, you know, 680 meets the 580 and it goes east into the Central Valley. That corridor there, I do a lot of business. And then on this side of the bay and the peninsula going up towards San Francisco, I don't go quite up to San Francisco. I have an agent that I refer business to there, but I do do business up the peninsula. And, you know, we, you know, San Jose, Santa Clara, Sunnyvale, Cupertino, Mountain View, Palo Alto, that whole pocket going up the peninsula, I do do business. And um, so, yeah, I'll run up and down and I'll drive you know, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and a half north. Um, I also cover the whole Monterey Bay. So I'll go down to get to the Monterey Peninsula, to the Carmel, Pebble Beach, Pacific Grove area. It's about just under an hour, maybe 45 mm -hmm. minutes to an hour. And so I do do business down there as well. And so I cover, you know, six counties to be precise. But now that I've built my organization, I have agents that I reach out to in different parts of my market that help me out. So I have agents gotcha. on my team that'll cover open houses, go meet inspectors, go open up the door, go help me do things. I don't have to be the one that does all that like I used to. Yeah, it makes total sense. Uh, we'll come to that uh, later to all your service offerings. Uh, be before that, I would like to um, go a bit into market prices. You just mentioned like 180 to uh, 1.5 million. First question, what unit are you talking about for maybe the non-residentials, like the non-US Americans? Uh, when you talk like, is it a, a one family um, home? Um, what, what is it for a unit you are, so, so that we have like comparable, um, yeah. So these are single family homes that I was speaking to. So the median price of a single, single family home in our markets about one, three, five. Um, if you go to condos, townhouses, um, I, I didn't check this last week, but I mean, if you want like a range, Like you could still get into a condo for maybe about four fifty, maybe a one bedroom. Mm -hmm. But I mean, depending if you go to the beachfront or where you go, I mean, they can range anywhere from four fifty to you know two point nine million. I just we just missed out on a beach one that was two point nine. So realistically, you're talking, though, you're, you're, you're talking a condo one one bedroom condo, condo a uh, one bedroom condo around four fifty. Um, what I'm talking about though is like uh, those are three bedroom townhouse on the beach. That's some clients missed for 2.9. But if you're looking for the kind of the average um, price, if you want to get into a condo or a townhouse here in the Santa Cruz area, I'd say 800, 850 would be safe to get something nice. Gotcha. I'm just saying on occasion, you might find a little one bedroom or a studio, you know, in South County, like, like in the mid fours. Yeah. Um, you just also make, mentioned a bit like the market trends or how the market has been moving. Obviously, I assume um, as, as almost everywhere, strong influx from or outflux from uh, from um, the the cities from San Francisco from the Bay Area towards like your your area so quite beneficial for you I assume anything else which you have also seen like now COVID is like we are basically like in the I don't know fifth generation of COVID almost uh, we feel it feels like that um, anything like lately, any movement going on? Also, I know you're not covering San Francisco, but still you are potentially like impacted by the dynamics of San, of San Francisco itself, of, of the entire yeah. Bay Area. What for what for trends do you see there? Well, so, I mean, the market shift impacted us just like <clears throat> impacted a lot of other markets. And I mean, we've obviously been dealing with inflation just like you have in Europe. 
Um, you know, I mean, what it comes down to is the rich are still getting richer. And so, you know, stuff here on the beachfront, I mean, we just had a, a property that was $15 million going to contract like within a couple of weeks. And it's a beach property, 15 million, like no problem. Another colleague of mine just listed something for just under 3 million. They sold it in five days. They had three offers, went over 3 million. So people are still buying like hotcakes stuff along the ocean. The stuff that's a little softer, the market's softer is stuff when you move inland a little bit, a little more inventory. We still don't have a lot of inventory considering what's going on with the market shift. We still don't have a lot of inventory, but it shifted from a seller's market to a little more of a buyer's market when it comes to the average home in the market. So you still have buyers out there. A lot of people are on the fence. We have a ton of people just waiting to see, well, what's going to happen? Because this is a bad combination. Interest rates went up tremendously. I mean, interest rates nearly doubled over the last year and a half. How much do you expect, right? Or can I expect as a as a home buyer, maybe first home buyer or second home buyer in the US uh, or in, in California, maybe if I have like an average medium salary? Well, I mean, for an interest rate, I mean, you're probably looking at, you know, six and a half to 7%. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, if you wanted to buy like here in Aptos in Mid County, like I have two new construction homes that we just put on. So if you're going to buy one of these homes for 2.6 million, I mean, if you put half a million down, your monthly payment with tax and insurance would be about $14,000 a month. So your your salary would be about a quarter million a year to qualify to buy something like that. Okay. Actually, I'm incorrect on the salary. You actually your salary would be a lot higher because 14. Your your salary would have to be probably somewhere between 350 and 400 to buy something like that. Okay. With no other debt. Okay. Can you repeat the monthly payment again? So like a $2.6 million house yeah. with around half a million down. So let's say about 20% down. Yeah. Um, your payment with tax and insurance included in the payment would be about 14,000 a month. Okay. So if you have no other debt, you would have to make about 350,000 a year to qualify. If you do have other debt, auto payments, loans, credit cards, whatever, then you'd have to make more income than that to qualify. That's for something for 2.6 million. Obviously, you could still buy something around the median price. And obviously, the payment would be a lot more manageable. Yeah. Uh, interesting statistic, our county is number two in the nation right now. Number two in the country for level of how expensive rent is. We're the second most expensive county in the country to rent. Um, I mean, basically, you know, a two bedroom is like 3,200 a month. It'll take four minimum wage salaries to be able to afford that Four full-time minimum wage salaries to afford that rent. So it's a very expensive place to live, even considering everything going on in the economy. Like it's just, it's tough right now. Housing is very expensive and it's been a crisis here for a long time. They're constantly trying to find low income options and, and ways to, to fix that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Definitely, there's like a very, uh, let's say, a lot of white space for affordable housing, I guess, in, in the right. Bay Area. Yeah. Um, coming to your, basically, to your um, focus on area of focus on the, basically also the listing types. Um, is there any particular focus you are putting on? Like, because you are so, let's say, ge geographically, you're very very flexible. You're moving across. You said how many uh, counties? It's five almost, no? Well, five to six counties is what I'm covering that I'm very involved in. Outside of that, I have a good referral network, but we do cover and I do have agents on my team that help me cover those five to six counties. And mm -hmm. within those uh, counties, are you focusing on one particular type of uh, of real estate? So that, is that like your sweet spot or, or how, yeah. how can I imagine? Yeah, I, I'm more of a residential sales agent, which means I'll sell one to four units. I don't do too much commercial. I mean, I've gotten involved. Like when it's more than four units, it would be considered like a commercial apartment building or something like that. I'll get involved in that sometimes. Um, there's also commercial space, like if you're getting into like retail, that kind of thing. But basically one to four units, meaning that I'll sell single family homes, um, condos, townhouses, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. I also sell raw land. I have a couple of land listings right now 
One's over 300 acres. Another one's just a small lot that a house burned down during the fires last year. And so I'll, you know, I'll do land. And then with my construction background, you know, I'm able to help clients with very challenging properties, maybe a house that went through a fire, maybe something that, you know, just got severely damaged from a slide or what have you, or, you know, I can deal with problem properties. I can deal with foreclosures, corporate relocations. I mean, I have a lot of experience working with the banks and in corporate relocations. So um, I would say I'm a full service residential agent and um, I focus more on helping sellers. I help buyers as well. Happy to help buyers. And now that I have a good team of agents, I'm even happy to have one of my agents share them with me so they get the best service. But um, I've, my sweet spot is really listings because I'm heavily equipped to come in and do everything. Literally, like you open your door, I come in, walk through your house, tell you what I think we need to do, tell you what I think it'll be worth if we do that work, give you estimates. I schedule everything. My team does everything. When we're done doing all the repairs, we get it cleaned, we stage it, we video it, we photo it, we sell it. And then I think one of my other big strengths over the years is that I feel like I'm a very strong negotiator. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I'm always good about working out the best terms for my clients. Mm -hmm. We all kind of have our strengths and weaknesses. And I, I've always thought of that as one of my strengths. And yeah. also being able to work with a lot of different personalities. After all these years, you have to be very adaptable to working with people with different personalities, different backgrounds, et cetera. Obviously, it makes total sense. Um, maybe I have an ignorant question, uh, but I would like to to clarify um, basically like the process of how you work. So basically, you um, offer the service to me as a as a homeowner. You come to me, or I come to you. I approach you. Hey, I would like to sell my home. You say perfectly, perfect. I'm gonna take care of it. You stage it. You you uh, you do your process, your full uh, full fledged uh, service, and then you say I'm I'm trying to um to give you the best price for it i know how to do it i know where basically like the potential sellers are or i or, and then you also um i guess like work with uh, or use uh, open housing or an open open house um event you potentially also um use uh, sellers agents so you market it or you use the entire network is that basically how the entire process works so then also your work comes along getting a lot of inventory or like mainly like acquiring the listings as much as possible. Is that, do I understand it correctly? Yeah. So basically if you're interested in selling, you know, I'll come in, I'll give you my advice. Um, so our market, the total commission is typically five to 6% and the buyer and selling agents share that. So because we do so much on the listing side, I typically will take listings at 6%, three and a half to our side, two and a half to the buyer side. In that commission, I include the staging for free and the video, photos, all that. That's all included, as well as all my staff and all our time and our coordination. Any repairs that can be done to your property, you'll approve the bid, but you're paying for the repairs. Mm -hmm. If you don't have enough money to cover that, sometimes I'll cover if it's just a little bit. If it's a lot, I have a money guy that'll just give you a home rehab loan, and we'll just basically just finance it short term to get the work done. And the goal is to get you as much money as we can. The reason we do that work is to help you, not us, because obviously every time I spend time and resources fixing up a listing, it's holding me from going and getting more. Right. So I always try to explain to clients like, look, I don't want you to throw away money. We're just going to invest money where I think you can get a return. And so that's what I do. And as far as marketing it, we're required to put listings on MLS, the multiple listing service. And so, you know, when I'm working in certain areas, there's agents that will know I have something coming up or they might be curious and um, and wonder if I have something coming up. So I let people know when I know that I have something coming because sometimes we're working on it for two or three months, you know? So I'll spread the word. We'll also market the neighborhood. We'll send out postcards. We'll put stuff up on social media. And then when we're ready for market the first weekend, we quit doing it during COVID, but we're able to do it again. We do a neighbor's open house. We go out and invite the neighborhood to come on Saturday morning before the first open house. And I'll put on a brunch. So they'll come and eat and drink and chat. We'll talk about the house, you know, see if they know anybody that might want to buy the house. And then, of course, we promote the open houses as well, which we'll have that first weekend. With certain properties where the market's hot, we'll basically set an offer deadline about a week out. So let's say we go on the market on a Monday. We'll do what's called our broker tour on Thursday, which is when the agents in the market come preview it. Mm -hmm. Then we'll have it open on Saturday and Sunday. And then if it's a hot property, we'll set an offer deadline for like that following Wednesday 
Um, well, if it's like the market is right now, most homes, we won't set an offer deadline. We'll just take offers as they come. But that's the process. Okay, makes total sense. Thank you so much for clarifying and uh, was very, very nice, very well explained. Um, and then the last question is, um, do is it normally normally then an also exclusive uh, contract that you that they say, or okay, you I give it to you for like, I don't know, one month, two months, and then you try yeah, your best. I typically it's... take them for six to 12 months, depending on how okay. much work, how much investment. You know, if it's a $5 million listing that I dumped 20,000 into it in marketing and staging, then I'm going to want to have it for like a year. Okay. It also depends on where it's priced. But because of all the money I put in, um, I expect to have it at least six months. Got it. Perfect. Now, uh, thank you so much. Perfect. Uh, you mentioned your team before. Um, I would like to understand a bit a bit like also about your organization structure because um, it's not only you. You have like a full-fledged uh, team be behind you right. who, who do a lot of things. Um, give us an overview, a more in-depth um, understanding of how you work. So I have basically, I have my own branch. <clears throat> I have a transaction coordinator. She's been a real estate broker for many years. She works for my team full-time. So she's on a salary plus she gets paid per transaction. And uh, she manages all the transactions and she uploads them to, you know, our EXP platform. And just basically works between the title company and EXP and the other agents getting the transactions through. I have an executive administrator She's an assistant who helps me run the team and does a lot of administrative stuff, you know, deals with calendar events, et cetera, and just, just support stuff, right? And then I have another assistant who, she's my logistics manager. She handles scheduling all the contractors, getting signs scheduled to go up, getting staging scans, you know, scheduled and the cleaners. She works accounts payable between me and my bookkeeper. Um, in fact, she helps me in all my businesses, that specific person. And she, you know, I love her. She works her butt off. I mean, she does so much. Um, she supports me in all of my businesses. And so she's not just on the sales team. And then I have another assistant who basically is a marketing assistant and she helps with getting stuff put together for the flyers and things to put out on social media, you know, events, et cetera, um, that kind of thing. And then uh, my decorator, stager, designer, she basically manages our inventory i have a couple of warehouses where i keep all our staging stuff she manages all of that and she basically um stages the homes and she also designs and and picks everything out for our homes that we flip picks out stuff for our clients listings that we fix up she's the one that does our offices i also own a home furnishing store and so she's the one that helped build that idea and build that out and design the store she's helped merchandise the store so um, she's super talented. And then aside from that, I have um, a, an agent on my team who helps. He's basically kind of can be like a buyer's agent, but he also helps run team events like meetings and masterminds. He's kind of our techie guy, helps with some of the technology and such. And uh, and then I have another agent as well who helps on the team who's under you know my organization as well that helps with buyers and stuff. And then aside from that, I have five agents on my actual production team that work to be like buyer's agents. I'm their mentor. A lot of them are newer. And so they'll help me with some of my clients. They'll bring in some of their clients. I advise them. And then I have about another 25 agents in my actual umbrella or my network with EXP. Um, okay. That's I mean, I'll, I'll stop there because I, then I can get into all the contractors. <laughs> but that's kind of like, that's the core of the operation. Yeah. Aside from that, I have tons of contractors that actually, even a few that work for me full-time. Yeah, makes total sense. No, it, it sounds like you you know exactly like how how to coordinate or how to have the right people in order to to stay coordinated so that you can focus like on the let's say on making sure that everything like remains coordinated and then um, you have like your assistants making sure that uh, they tell you where to go and where when to be and right. also those experts like the stage and like designer and um, you mentioned uh, two things. Uh, the flipping and uh, the EXP. Uh, I'd like to start talking about EXP Realty. I've heard about, uh, came across, uh, but you actually know the first person who have the opportunity to, to that he can explain me a little bit like how this organization works and uh, why maybe also like your motivation to, to join basically. Yeah, well, EXP has gone global. Uh, I joined EXP 
just under three years ago. And believe it or not, there was only 27,000 agents when I joined. And now there's 87,000 agents. We've grown that much in less than three years. The pandemic um, really launched. I mean, company's been around since the last, like, you know, recession, real estate crash. They came in around 2010. And it was during some tough economic times. And so this company was built for tough times. And so when the pandemic hit and people were not allowed to work in their offices, real estate was shut down in some areas for a while. Uh, the company gained popularity because they were cloud-based. Everybody was already working remote. So they didn't miss a beat. In fact, EXP cut back a little bit during the pandemic because they expected since the rest of the market was slowing down that they were going to take a hit. They had no idea that they were about to explode. I mean, they ended up having to bring in a bunch of people to catch up to the demand. I uh, I moved for a couple of reasons. I'm a big producer. I give up a large split to the brokerage. I love the prior brokerage I was with. It was a boutique brokerage, privately owned, like family. Absolutely love them. But I mean, I have to look out for my future, look out for my business, look out for you know what's best for me. And giving up you know 10 to 20% of my commissions to my broker just to have an office and have some support, it didn't really pencil out. Um, going to EXP, I only had to give up a small portion of the commission. And then because I'm a top producer, they give it back to me in stock. So essentially, since I've been at EXP, I'm at 100%. I pay minimal fees to be there. It only costs me $85 a month to be there. The other thing is that it's completely cloud-based. So I could work from anywhere. I could walk in. We have like a virtual world with avatars. And we have kind of like our own megaverse, you know, and then we also have kind of like our own like company, Facebook, like we're completely set up virtually and uh, we can do everything. Like we have tech support 24 seven, anytime. Um, if I want to go talk to a broker, I just go into the world and go talk to them at my desk. I don't have to get in a car and drive anywhere. Um, I mean, the convenience and being that it was COVID proof. I mean, it just, it was like, I mean, that was just kind of what got me interested but since I've been here, the stock, like we're a publicly traded company, right? So I get the stock back every year from my cap. But then they also let us buy stock with every closing. We're allowed to buy 5% of each closing commission in stock at a 10% discount. So I'm on auto pay for that. So it's like every closing, 5% automatically buys stock. And I just keep building that portfolio for retirement. The other thing, something like, totally unexpected that hit me this year. And I'm so thankful. I haven't been able to get good health insurance the last few years, ever since that whole Obamacare thing that we had. It just, for people like myself that were self-employed, it just got really challenging to get good insurance. And so by chance, EXP offers health insurance and I got the best policy I could, which only costs me $400 a month, which is cheap here for health insurance. Anyway, long story short, I got hit with this unexpected surprise this year. I got hit with cancer this summer and uh, it was, yeah, it was, well, I'm just not to freak you out. I mean, I'm fine now. They got it all out. I had to have emergency surgery, but honestly, like EXP to a certain extent saved my life because I hadn't really had any good insurance or kept myself properly covered. And EXP's insurance literally has covered everything. My copay for over a quarter million dollars in healthcare just in the last three months my copay was only $2,500. And they told me like, hey, we're going to be with you through this cancer thing, even if it's five years out, whatever, we're going to keep the, paying the treatments and everything. And it's interesting because not only are they good about that, they personally, like, I know who they are. You're not talking to some 800 number. Like the people that are serving me from the insurance, they know me. They actually called to ask how I was doing after surgery, like just mind blowing. So it's like, it's not always about the money, right? Because I'm very big on things not being about the money, but it's interesting how, in a way, EXP kind of saved my life there because, I mean, I would have been absolutely destroyed and had a hell of a problem like with, can you imagine if I didn't have insurance and all this happened? Course, yeah. I mean, it would have bankrupted me. I mean, I've already spent over a quarter million dollars in the last three months. And I mean, Luckily, they, it looks like they got all the cancer out, so I should be fine. But it's like there's going to be follow-up tests every five, six months. And those tests are expensive. And then, you know, any kind of continued treatments and such. So it's like, you know, the stock and the insurance, you don't get that at real estate brokerages, right? 
you also have to pay any franchise fees. You know, if you're like with one of those big brands, you have to take six or 7% off the top of every commission that goes to corporate. And then you get split off of that. And uh, the other thing too, is you want to be able to separate yourself from everybody. And with eXp, you can brand yourself really well. You can have your own branch. I mean, eXp really allows you to have your own business using their platform. Therefore, it really differentiates you. And then the other thing too, is that the collaboration, you know, I joined, I was sponsored by Michael Sherrard, who he set the record at the company. He has sponsored 300 frontline agents. He's only been there for just under three years as well. And um, he's just been super successful. He's built his organization that I'm part of up to 1400 agents in less than three years. And the camaraderie and the support and the networking and everything we do together. I mean, the amount of referrals I get and I give in and out of the network, because these guys are all over, like he's in Canada. So, I mean, I do a lot of business in Canada, the US, Mexico, we're in Portugal, we're in Spain, we're in France, we're in Italy. I mean, we're all over the place now. And so it's like, you know, this company allows me to build my network. Like I'd love to build more in Portugal because I'm Portuguese, I'm from there. I mean, I, I know one agent there that I've been kind of talking to and working with, but I'd love to like, you know, meet more agents in Portugal and, and really build that business because right now there's so many people from the U.S. going there, right? So anyway, I don't want to over answer the question, but at the end of the day, I mean, EXP, I had my reasons for going there, but since being there, it's been life-changing, life-saving, surprising. I mean, I, I can't say enough. And leadership, going to these events and being able to talk to leadership, like, I can literally message the CEO, like, where can you do that? Like, it's, it just, um, I can't say enough about it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the people I've met in the process is like extended family. I've made new family. I have new family now. You know what I mean? Nice. I like that. Uh, wow. Um, amazing answer. And uh, once again, I'm sorry to hear that with the cancer. I, I, I hope uh, everything, you know, remains uh, the way it is right now. And, uh, and uh, sending you here, here with uh, a lot of, a lot of good energy and uh, um, a lot of power. Um Concerning the the um, EXP, still I have uh, even some follow up questions. How does that like in in the in the end we have like the let's say traditional broker uh, brokerage you use the the license um, so that you can like basically act as an as as a licensed real estate agent. I guess in, it's not even in your case necessary because you you are licensed. You have your own license. Right. Um, we all have to have our own license. I mean, the brokerage like. I think I know where you're going with this. So it's like, there's all these different brokerages out there, right? And so you're like, okay, you join this brokerage, maybe how is it different from the other brokerages? I mean, you you can always kind of individually brand yourself, but when you're with corporate brokerages, there's a lot more restriction to how much you can differentiate or share the logo or do what you do. The other thing too, is a lot of times with these larger brokerages, you're kind of using their systems and everybody's kind of got the same template website, same client, you know, manager. It like it's too like boilerplate, you know what I mean? And yeah, and yeah totally. It's like, you know what I'm saying? And so no, I I I I totally get it. And uh, but still, EXP gives you like some this amazing software. What what you're talking about? So basically, the way I understood it is like you also have like title insurance being connected with it, the MLS uh, connected with it. You have the network and stuff. So this is like basically all the benefits you get. If, please so, prove me prove, prove me wrong or tell me if I'm wrong. Well, the health, like, insurance, yeah. the health insurance in stock, you don't get health insurance with the other brokerages and most brokerages aren't publicly traded, so they don't have stock. Yeah. So those two things are very unique. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, and like I said, the health insurance, that's that's been a game changer. But yeah. But, you know, as far as like, how you work like a lot now that COVID's, I mean, there's still COVID still around, but I mean, obviously a lot of people have gone back to their offices and everything. EXP doesn't have brick and mortar. So our costs are a lot less. Uh, less our yeah, of course. Yeah. Our company is 50% agent owned. EXP gives half back to the agents. Mm -hmm. We have agent we have ownership equity in the brokerage. Mm -hmm. The other brokerages are not like that. That's a huge difference between gotcha. us. In any other brokerage, we own half the brokerage. 
It makes total sense. No, no, it makes total sense. Do you also, um, I have talked to various people and I know it's always a challenge with referrals or let's say um, buyer's agent, seller agent or referrals, whatever it is. I assume the platform also facilitates that, that you can like basically like track online uh, where the lead comes from or... Well, so there's, I mean, there's a lot of different lead systems. Some people buy leads. Um, our company has KV Core, which is like one of the best CRMs out there. And it uses artificial intelligence as well. So, I mean, you could basically do all kinds of lead tracking, communicating with leads, et cetera. You can transfer leads between agents. Um, we also have in our, like, we have like our own, like Facebook, like within our company. And so on that platform, there's actually a group chat that's for referrals from all over the place. So people mm -hmm. in EXP go in there and post their referrals. And so, you know, some people can transfer those from their CRM or they'll transfer directly. So, I mean, there is plenty of networking. Like I mentioned, I've had a lot of success with referrals inbound and outbound being with EXP. I mean, even at my prior brokerages, I'm big on doing referral business. And the standard referral practice is that if you send out a client, when it closes, you get 25%. Someone sends you a client, typically it's the same thing. So they get 25% of the gross commission. Gotcha. It's great for people sending, you know, referrals to me here because if they're not like most real estate around the country is a lot cheaper than here. So it's like if someone from Louisiana sends me, you know, a $2 million seller here, their market, their average price is only like 200,000. So it's like, they'll probably make 5,000 on a regular sale. But their referral to me will be like fifteen thousand dollars because yeah. just on the referral because of the cost of California real estate. So yeah. it can be really lucrative, especially for people referring into California. Yeah, makes sense. Do you also have this um, this um, um, program uh, program that you can basically refer other agents or acquire or acquire or get new agents, and then you also get part of their commission? So uh, I heard that somewhere. I don't know. I yeah. So okay. So agent attraction building the so exp has what they call rev share. So as you bring agents in under you, then the company pays you a percentage. This is part of that equity share I was telling you with the ownership. Mm -hmm. So we actually get paid on their production, but not it doesn't come out of their cut, it comes out of the company's side, right? So, like let's say that I bring you in and you're in my organization like you're going to make your split, you're going to make your commissions. When you close stuff, I get a percentage of your production, but out of EXP side, not out of your okay. side. And so that pays seven levels down. Yeah. And basically you get paid once a month on what they call your revenue share. And the thing about that, that's really unique about this company is that let's say you die or something bad happens to you. You can leave that to your family. They don't even have to practice real estate. You just need somebody to get their license As long as they have a real estate license, that benefit will keep going. Nice. So like what I'm building today, like let's say when I get to 10,000 agents in my organization, let's say I'm bringing in seven figures a month in residual. I could pass that to my daughter. Like nice. I could leave my daughter, you know, a hundred thousand to a million dollars a month in revenue share if something happens to me because you're able to pass that down. Awesome. And that's very unique to EXP, like other brokerages. There may be a couple imitators out there, but really we're the only brokers that has come out with that. Um, I've heard that there's another brokers that's trying to imitate that to a certain extent, but that's very unique to EXP. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for this amazing um, in-depth uh, analysis and also um, overview of EXP Realty. Really interesting. And uh, yeah, I was always curious to, to get to know more about that. Um, The other thing I, I was curious about was flipping. You mentioned that prior to our call, you also mentioned that uh, during our call, um, you're kind of an expert there. You, you're doing deals yourself. You know how to run the numbers. Um, give, us, give us maybe an overview of how you approach a good flipping um, object and how, first of all, how you identify it. What do you think is the best, uh, has the highest ROI? Um, and what to take care of, what to look after, and then also how to, yeah, how to materialize it. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because when it comes to, you know, flipping with all these shows and stuff, you know, everybody thinks they're a flipper now, you know, and it's like, um, you know, everybody's, I guess, profit margin or what their expectation is, 
is different. You know, it just, you know, for some people it's like, oh, I just want to make 50,000. I'm happy, you know. You know, the way I take it is, um, you know, we typically try to make, you know, a percentage on our cash invested. And, um, you know, just, it really depends. Like, And I'll just use real numbers instead of percentages so people just get an idea. But, you know, for instance, like I have a property right now that we bought for 1.2 million. So I'll just give you kind of a, a quick rundown on that. And then I'll talk to you about the rest of the stuff you asked. But so, you know, buy a property for 1.2 million. When we bought it, I had an appraisal that once it was fixed up, it was going to be worth about 1.65. I knew it was going to take me about $200,000 to get there. So, and then I know that there's carrying costs. So basically, I figured I'm going to be all into this property for about 1.45. It appraised for 1.65 after repair. So after paying my real estate commissions and closing fees, you know, if I walk away with an $150,000 on that project after holding it for four months, for me, that's a good profit margin on that project. And so, you know, my target essentially in that price range is trying to be somewhere between a hundred and 250,000 margin. Um, now you were saying like, where do you find these deals? Like, so let's start with that. I prefer to find things that are off market because once things hit the MLS and everybody sees it, it's like, so, you know, you know how it is. It's like, everybody wants it. They push the price up. So you want to find something that either nobody knows about or nobody wants, because that gives you the opportunity. You also need to find a motivated seller. Now, look, and I talked to somebody about this this morning. It's not about taking advantage of somebody else's misfortune. It's about creating a win-win. Somebody needs out, need to cash out, can't do the payment, whatever it may be. Like, basically, it, you know, you just you you're always very transparent very honest and say like look maybe if you went to market you could get this but here's what i could do if you want to do something in private and knock it out and and so and i'm very clear on that because you probably have heard about wholesaling and all this other stuff out there my personal opinion about flipping and wholesaling is this flipping we're adding value and then selling it to somebody else for me wholesaling i always feel like somebody's losing, like you're taking advantage of somebody to win because now you're a middleman of a middleman, right? Because if you're a wholesaler, you're getting this property, then you're giving it to me so I can flip it to give to somebody else. To create that extra margin, I feel like you're really taking advantage of somebody. So, so starting off, it's you go find something, maybe off market, maybe it's a motivated seller, tough situation, whatever it may be, you start with that. What makes a good flip? Here's the thing. You get the most return on your investment on cosmetic, what people see, right? Consumers, like by chance, I'm a licensed general contractor. I grew up building houses. I mean, I could build a house from the ground up, right? So I understand if you tell me, hey, we just uninsulated everything, just reinforced the foundation, that brand new HVAC unit and, you know, all this other stuff, like that brings value for me, right? Because I understand that. But consumer, you're walking in the house, you don't see the insulation. HVAC's in the attic or something. You're not paying attention to that, right? So, you know, sometimes they're buzzwords. Like some people have their buzzwords like, oh yeah, is there a new HVAC? But they don't even know what that means, right? So, so basically what the consumers care about is what they can see, touch, and feel. And so when you're looking at properties, if you find an ugly duckling that it's landscape, needs a paint job, maybe update the windows, could use some new flooring, maybe change out the countertops, like basic visual stuff like that, that you can do quick, like in and out 90 days in it. Cause markets can shift. You need to make sure that you have your numbers down, but you got to get in and out. And so basically anything that's going to be more like cosmetic, you can make a good return. You can do it quick. If you get into some of these bigger projects, like I did this last year, you're going to spend a lot of money where people don't see it. And with COVID and all these supply chain issues, the cost of construction is through the roof. Materials now cost more than labor. I mean, when I was still running the family business, I mean, materials would be like maybe 10% of your bid. Now, a lot of times they're like 90% of your bid. It's crazy, like depending on what you're doing. And so it's like all the behind the scenes stuff that you're spending a lot of money on, it's hard to get that return, which means you have to buy the property at an even better price. And so that's, I mean, so what are you looking for to find a property? You're looking for something off market, looking for a motivated seller. If it's on the market, has it been sitting on the market for six months? Have they been reducing, 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 right? 
you know, like that kind of thing. And so that's opportunity. And then what you look for in the actual project too is this. Look at your market. If there's 10 houses for sale on that street, like run. Like don't buy it. It's supply and demand. Make sure that you're in a neighborhood where two things. One, there's not a lot of inventory. And two, that the neighborhood's going to support fixing this house up. If you go into a neighborhood that everything's falling apart, people got broken cars in their front yards, place looks like trash, then you go get a good deal on this house and you fix it up. You never want to be the best house on the block, right? So these things matter for a couple of reasons. Number one is every day that your house sits on the market, you're losing money. So you want something you can turn quick. So lots of inventory means that you better stand out or be a better price or you're going to sit. Two, if you do go into a, a neighborhood that's not as desirable, that's another thing that's going to kill your price or make it sit because there might be someone that wants a newer house, but doesn't want to be in that kind of neighborhood. Right. So it's like, you really want to go find opportunities that are super remarketable, that there's not a lot of inventory and that you've definitely budgeted according to the market your whole time. Cause if your holding costs are $10,000 a month and your profit margin was only 60,000 on this house, I mean, do the math on that. Like, I mean, literally like three months sitting on the market, you might as well just like move in because it's like, you're not making any money. You know what I mean? So these are kind of some of the, and then the other thing is when, before you buy it, get a ballpark on what the work's going to cost and the availability of the people are going to do the work. Mm -hmm. Also make sure, is it something I'm going to get permits for? And if you do need permits, like how long is that going to take? How backed up is the county or the city, you know? And what are my permits going to cost? You know, I, so there's like, there's a lot to consider when doing it, but you also have to be cautious and, you know, don't, you know, cause I mean, in California, I mean, like right now, the most expensive flip I had this year, we bought it for 2.2 million. The market shifted and, you know, we're going to be lucky to, to get just under 2.6 for it. But I mean, do the math on that. That thing costs, costs $600 a day to hold that property so how but many you don't people... sorry go ahead. i'm sorry no go ahead no i'm just saying six hundred dollars a day to hold this property so i mean do the math on that you know 200 days hundred and twenty thousand dollars. so you got to be really careful with you know with these flips and and being able to sell them once you get the work done and, and you i guess you don't get a mortgage on it do you I mean, yes, yeah, is... no, I do. I mean, some of them will be cash. I mean, I don't, you know, yeah, that's 2.2 million in cash. No, no, but not... you know, that's why. Okay. Well, I was going to say it's not good use of money. So there's a couple different ways to do it. Right now, we use a, what's called a fix and flip line of credit. There's banks out there that will finance flips. So, give you an example like I could buy this house for 2 million, right? And then let's say I have 300,000 in work. So it's 2.3 million. The bank only needs me to put 10% into it and they'll finance the rest. Mm -hmm. They'll finance 100% of the rehab, right? Mm -hmm. But the old school way that I did it that I could still do, but now this makes more sense, I would get private money because a lot of these houses are not financeable. So I'd get private money. So I put you know 25% down. They give me 75% interest only, higher interest rate. I pay for all the work myself. When it's done, I sell it, pay everything, right? Mm -hmm. That was the traditional way. So- um, you could always go all cash too, but then that's not smart. Because, limited, yeah. Well, because let me give you a let me give you a thought. So this year, in one of the LLCs I have, I was controlling twelve million dollars in real estate with only one point two million dollars. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. If I did it the old way, I would need at least twenty five percent just in down payment, yeah. which on $12 million, that's $3 million. That doesn't even include all the construction costs. You know, if my average construction cost was 200,000 per property, that was five properties, that's another million dollars. So I would have to have four and a half million dollars to control those assets a couple of years ago. But with a new fix of the line of credit, I can control all those assets for only 1.2 million. That's leverage. That word leverage is huge. That's leverage. It is.
Very nice. Very good. Very interesting. Uh, I love I love your energy. I love all your expertise. I know you could talk for uh, another 10 hours straight. Oh, and yeah. It, and it I, I'm, become... I'm never guilty of not being able to hold up my end. <laughs> no, yeah, I love so, it. Yeah. I really love it. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you so much for, for all your, seriously, like for this uh, this hour. Um, I really learned a lot. You gave us, you gave me a very interesting uh, overview of Santa Cruz, how the market is right now moving, how um, yeah, how the entire real estate market right now is is working. EXP, you you uh, gave us a very interesting uh, overview on this one, very very uh, in depth one, and also on the flipping side. Um, any final words you would like to share with the audience from your side, which we haven't covered? Well, I just, I mean, one thing that's guaranteed is that real estate will always be a good investment. Real estate will always go up. I know right now there's a lot of doubt. People are nervous. People are scared. They're worried. It's a good time to buy, right? Just just get something and don't worry. I mean, if it dips a little more or whatever, it's a good investment. You know, I mean, that's fine if you like playing stock market or other things. I mean, I'm not going to dissuade you from that, but just believe in the real estate market and don't freak out and pull your investment you know just just let it ride just make sure whatever you get into just make sure you can let it ride but i like i'm big i mean my entire life's been dedicated to real estate i'm a hundred percent committed and advise people to not be freaked out about what's going on right now this will pass you know and the next year or so we're going to be looking back being like oh there was a little bump in the road but it's just that's what it is right i mean there's just the media and and people just create so much drama and freak people out. This is not a real estate crash. These are challenging economic times. 2008 was a real estate crash. This is not a real estate crash. Remember that. Like, remember that. Very different. Very different market. The other thing, too, is if you do buy and you get into these interest rates, well, guess what? Interest rates aren't going to keep going up. They're eventually going to come down. Hey, if you can make the payment for the next year, year and a half, by then, you should be able to get a decent rate and refinance to a lower rate. So it's like there's really not a reason not to get in the market. People are sitting on the fence right now or missing opportunities because they think they're waiting for the bottom. But the problem is when they think they hit the bottom, it already came and went. You're never going to time it. You're not going to time the bottom. You're not going to time the top. Just make good decisions for yourself. I mean, that's 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 the best advice I can give in this market. I love it. Shan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for sure. all your all your words. Um, I'm sending best regards to the Bay Area, to Santa Cruz, and uh, we talk soon. And yeah, thank you so much for everything. Yeah, no, I'd love to connect with you and uh, talk some more. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see what we can do out there in Portugal. And that's Absolutely. cool. That Let's you know do my that. Buddy okay. Bye-bye. Thank Ciao. you so much. Bye. Yeah. Bye.